Hey, welcome to the Interracial Dawn Podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Mack, and I'm joined, as always, by the white guy. You are very white indeed. What's going on, man? You know, things. The things are going on? (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. I'm sorry. It's been two weeks since our last episode. We are diligently trying to get back on track. Um, you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Just search Interracial John. That's J A W N. And you can also look for us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr at Interracial John. Again, J A W N. You can leave us some reviews. We love reviews. You can leave them on iTunes or Stitcher. And, uh, you can also email us, interracialjohn at gmail.com. And, uh, you can even give us a little phone call, 657 John or 657 J A W N E R S. And we'd love to hear from you. Notice any of me, those senpai. ways notice me literally any of them we are so not um dis- whatever we don't discriminate indiscriminate yes that thing indiscriminate um i'm just gonna make sure we're we review, have we're, we're review I haven't blind. actually checked that mail <laughs> feedback blind in a while you know, oh like, shit we got some emails wait, oh wait a minute i don't have my thing up Okay. Man, what the fuck are you saying to us right now? <laughs> we have a few. We have a few. Okay. So, uh, one of them is for you and uh, the Unruly Rev. So, I'll leave that um, for you. But here are a few that we received. One is from Allegra. Uh, she, it's titled, Glad Y'all Are Back. Hey, you two, just finished your woke-ass cow episode, and I'm really glad y'all are back. My favorite part of another fantastic episode is the very straightforward comment Lousy made to her show at the end of the show. <laughs> made to her husband at the very end of the show. Drew, I just like talking to you. Leslie, you can talk to me all night with your dick. Uh, I love when you do get... <laughs> when you two get sexy with your relationship it shows me how close you are and how much you like each other and it's realistic the second thing i loved is the realization that you had leslie about the show pose on fx i was having the same kind of anxiety every episode and you just made me aware of what it is now i begin the process of watching it differently instead of being nervous about every little thing and finding more relief than joy on the good parts i can try to watch with legitimate joy and try to feel all the emotions instead of just two. Thanks, you two, for always giving me reasons to think, self-evaluate, laugh, and scream. Welcome back. Oh, that was such a nice review. Oh, oh my gosh. You. Is there a bell? Where's the bell? Oh, I have the bell. Uh, and we have the, the next one from uh, Katisha, uh, who says, Drew and Leslie, bitch, y'all back. Uh, I can tell how happy I, I can't tell you how happy I was to see a new episode of the John in my feed because I had really been missing the podcast. I, I was getting worried the faithful 14 would have to go on without their fearless leaders, but I prayed to our Lord and Savior Beyonce and a few days later, there was a new show. My Drew, goodness. I'm so glad you're um, doing better and I'm appalled at the love of medical care you received. If they're treating white men like this, what hope do the rest of us have? Indeed, Khadijah. Indubitably. Uh, the Bill Gates story reminded me of an episode of This American Life when Nicole Hannah-Jones reported how research has shown that school integration is the best solution to improve the achievement gap. But instead of focusing on this simple solution, which in most situations is the best solution, people, <clears throat> white people, uh, want to throw money at all these complicated fixes to improve schools that just don't work. I've been hearing such great things about Pose, but I don't have cable, so I'll have to wait until FX puts it on Hulu, which probably won't be until next season comes out. Leslie, what you said about only associating being trans with tragedy is so true for me, too. I realized that when someone posted a story about a black trans woman in one of my Facebook groups, and I just assumed I was about to read about her murder. To my surprise, the story was about her becoming an editor of a magazine. 
I think it was the first good story about a black trans woman who is not famous. I can remember. So we definitely need more stories about trans people living their best lives and doing bomb ass shit. Um, I just saw Ant-Man and the Wasp yesterday and loved it. Okay. I think I've written enough and I'm so glad y'all are back. Love ya, Katisha. All right, Aww, Katisha. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was so great. It was so wonderful to see um, these invitations. Thank That's you. Wonderful. Uh, just a couple of quick retorts. Uh, integration helps white kids too, right? When, like, oh, schools, yeah, for sure. When schools integrate, white kids do better too. Definitely. Like, it's just such a, like, bizarre, uh, not bizarre, such a white supremacist uh, paradox, I guess. But, uh, and then uh, Betsy DeVos in Michigan privatized, <laughs> basically, uh, charter schooled. Right, I think like half the schools in Michigan are charter schools, and they're also performing f- miserably. Yeah, like went from like twenty something in the nation to like forty something in the nation it's in true. like reading, math, all kinds of fucking metrics. It's so true. By going to charter schools, and now she's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, frustrating. Oh, you know what? I did want to mention. Though. Let me just pull this up. And uh, you know, and again, she said uh, Katija mentioned the medical, and I'm back, and I'm grateful and everything, and I really. Going through it, like she said, if that's how they treat white men, it, I, I sometimes forget to count like my very, very generous blessings. And we have health insurance and we, we even have, uh, you know, money or credit cards or ability to pay for the, you know, cause health insurance didn't cover everything, right? There's like a mm. out of pocket stuff, but we hit out of pocket max. <laughs> like for the year, there's like so many thousands of dollars you can pay out of pocket and like, boop, we hit it. And unfortunately we this year moved to one of these um, high deductible health savings account deals. So we got, we, we, we had to pay a lot more than I would have liked for this stuff. But even then it's like, you know how many people go bankrupt every year for medical expenses? Yeah, it's true. Just very grateful that. We were able to do it, had insurance, didn't bankrupt us, had, you know, we could absorb the cost kind of things. Yeah. So uh, one of my friends on Facebook, amazing trans activist, Ashley Marie Preston, um, has started this really dope campaign, um, which is called hashtag thrive over 35 for um, Ashley is a trans woman. And it's really about kind of celebrating um you know, thriving over this threshold, you know, we always see for black trans women that 35 is um, the the life expectancy of a black trans woman in the United States. And so um, when Ashley turned 35, she used that as an opportunity to kind of flip the script a little bit. And it's certainly along the same lines I was talking about, like this realization I had about by watching Pose. So I definitely suggest people, one, follow Ashley Marie Preston on um on Facebook, it's A S H L E E, and you can follow them. And then the other thing is um, to just check out the hashtag Thrive Over Thirty Five. I saw there was going to be some coverage of it coming up in a pretty major news outlet, so I think you'll be hearing more about it. But I thought it was such a you know positive, but also startling campaign. Like it did both of the things, right? It like mm. flipped the narrative on its end, but also through that, like made the narrative really like. I don't know, like bolstered it at the same time. It's rare you find a, um, a, a, a digital campaign that's able to do both. And so I just wanted to give Ashley uh, Marie a shout out and also just let folks know about that campaign because it's a really great one to kind of get involved with. So, yeah. Thanks. And yeah. I, and I, I too, uh, forget that. Uh, and I think like white people can do that. Like I think there was a phase where a lot of white folk were sharing like black death, like trauma porn. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, certainly people still do that. Right. But I think, you know, I myself have like shocking. I've, I've, I've been more <laughs> cognizant of what and how and where and, 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 you know, and certainly I think lifting up, uh, in particular, uh, trans women of color, uh, 
over 35 is a, is a great achievement. Yeah, I think it's, it's really good. So um, we're having a little, well, not a debate. I had asked you a question. I actually posted it on um, on the tweeters, uh, which was a simple question. I actually had this conversation with my good friend, Sharonda J. Brown, writer extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, actually, she was here visiting and we were driving somewhere and she was like, oh, I need to stop by the dollar store to get something. She's a dollar store. Oh, I mean, you asked me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So. So we got into a conversation because she was going to go to what I consider to be the worst dollar store of all the dollar store chains. Okay. And so okay. I was like, hey, 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 hold up. There's the blank, blank, blank dollar store up the road. So you don't got have to it. go to this trash one. You can go to the good one. And she was like incredulous. Like, but it's just a dollar store. Like, aren't they all the same? So you asked so me. It begs the question. One, do we consider all, do you consider all dollar stores the same? Yep. And if you don't, is there a ranking of them? And if you have a ranking, why? I'll share some of people's thoughts well, from you, the you tweeters also, but I'll and, ask you first and, and you and tell my, me what you think. Well, my comment in the car was five below. <laughs> you know, fuck, I'm, I'm bougie. Fuck that dollar, that dollar store shit. I go to five below. But if there was like, and I, I can't remember the name of the ones that we liked in Philadelphia. So there's a few but national dollar, change. There's I'll say Dollar this, Tree. That's there's the one. Dollar General. That's the crap one. And there's Dollar. There's another one. Dollar. Uh, yeah, dollar Tree's the good one. Dollar General is the trash one, in my opinion. Not the trash one, but and I shouldn't say trash. They're all you know the dollar stores. But I I, I liked when we were in Philly. We had literally like a Dollar Tree on one store corner and a Family Dollar. dollar. That's the other one. Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Family Dollar. Yeah, so those had, are the three. We had the two options. Dollar By Tree the way, or Dollar General. These. these um, these, if you add in the the one that's called ninety nine cents only, which I think is more on the West Coast, <laughs> they hold twenty one thousand U S locations, wow. and their combined store count surpasses the top three drugstores. I know that surprised me. So that's it, it's it's just interesting to think about that. When but. when we were in Philly, like I said, we had the two options. Right. We would, I think we preferred Dollar Tree. Yeah. But I I this is going back at least a decade. The mm-hmm. script on those dollar stores flipped when I saw them start to produce their own shit. Like at, at one period, it was like close to expired or like, you know, like you'd see consumer pra- uh, consumer package goods that weren't exactly like new to the shelf sort of stuff, like Christmas scents in July or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now they're like packaging their own shit. They're like, this is made by Dollar, Dollar Tree, Tree, Dollar right. General to be sold in dollar stores. So the consensus through the onlines, uh, I'll start with... Uh, the peebs, uh, who is the creator of Black Girl Magic, who said Dollar Tree is the one true dollar store except no substitutes. See? Interesting. Uh, someone else said dollar stores shouldn't have the word dollar in their name if anything costs over a dollar. Dollar Tree is the best. They have helium balloons and seasonal party decorations. I think I've seen them have dollar home drug tests up near the register too. <laughs> and that's, we would go in for the seasonal stuff mm-hmm. and the decorations and the balloons. I remember. Yep, someone says, Dollar Tree, my reasons, my list of reasons is so long, but I'll share just one. If you're not getting your cute seasonal gift bags there, you're getting ripped off. Yeah, exactly. Like holiday gift bags, you're giving away Christmas gifts and whatever. Someone says, Dollar General is for people who easily, who can easily afford to shop at Target, but like to say they shop at the dollar store. (laughs) Dollar Tree, on the other hand, is the one true dollar store TM. So, yeah, I mean, the consensus is somebody says some one person said family dollar. No concepts of candy aisle is not to be effed with. Interesting. I can't. Didn't did, know that. Do we have family dollars? 
Uh, yeah, no, we didn't have Family Dollar. We had Dollar General. We didn't have Family yeah, Dollar. Yeah, I don't remember a Family Dollar. So anymore. Family Dollar's one. And somebody also said 99 cent only stores are amazing. Uh, but most people definitely said Dollar Tree or Bust. The others pretend uh, or are the absolute junk. One person said, depends on your needs. Here's their breakdown. At Ooh. Dollar Tree, you can get things like brown rice, soy milk, and a carton of 18 eggs, plus many of your household goods for a dollar. Family Dollar and Dollar General are good for paper products, containers, and small decor like candle holders and baskets. I shop them all. Thank you, Black Girl Dating, for that one. I guess that's kind of true. And, I, and I, I never really thought about that, but we were, when I say we did the Dollar Tree, it literally was for like holiday stuff, decorations, oh, yeah. well, parties, wrapping paper. When I, when I do parties, we're, I'm planning my nieces to be 16 uh, party right now. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to go to the dollar store, but figure out when I'm going to get to town so I can yeah. go to the dollar store. Like, it's definitely part of the. Yeah, I mean, I use that in my arsenal. I, I don't know any event planner that but doesn't. I, but I will say that Ge- Dollar General is more like you can get like uh, soaps and, uh, you know, other like package good stuff. Yeah. I guess it just depends on what you need. But no, I, I, I fucked with the dollar store. I much prefer Five Below, which I know is not a dollar store, but. I, I could spend all day in the Five Below. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Me and my goddaughter. You well, several people did say I'm bougie and I like Five Below. We had a few questions <laughs> like not that. Alone. I'm not alone. You aren't apparently. Um, so that was funny. One other thing I discovered this week, which is really interesting, is that James Blunt, the singer, apparently is like hella gully on Wait, Twitter. Like- you are beautiful. Yes, that, that same, guy? that very one. Has he done anything since that album? Um, he has, he has sure. other albums, and I know he's a songwriter, so he writes for other people uh, as well. But so he literally he will say stuff like, this dude Omar tweeted out, James Blunt is the type of person to search for his name on Twitter. James quote tweeted it and said, Omar is the type of person who searches for his name on Twitter and doesn't find anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's happening right now? So you shitty. look like someone that listens <laughs> to James Blunt. And they were just talking to somebody random. James quote tweeted it. You look like someone that watches hashtag Love Island. I don't even know what Love Island is. And folks, please be free to let me know. Oh, that's funny as shit. Oh, you look like someone goodness. who searches for Omar and finds nothing. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Somebody says, does James Blunt still make music? He quote tweets it. No, just noise. Okay, I don't get that one, but uh, somebody said James Blunt sounds like he's singing with a hot potato in his mouth. He quote tweets it. It's a silver spoon. <laughs> um, a silver spoon. Wow. Damn. At least he knows it. I guess. Yeah. He must have some sort of like uh, Google alert or something on his name. Because are these Yon people add, are they Car- adding? Him? No, they're not. Yawn. Carmel is boring. This is the town. It's the town equivalent of Jane Blunt's "You're Beautiful," which is a boring song. <laughs> James Blunt said, "Everything must seem boring to an axe murderer." P.S. Nice profile pic. I. You call him an axe murderer? I don't even know. What do you do with that? It's a James Blunt kind of night quote tweet. Quite wet and disappointing. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> So I actually quote tweeted one of these and I was like, um, is James Blunt always like this or is, is he always gully on here? And somebody replied, always sis. So I just followed him. I suggest you do too because it's hilarious. That, that is kind of funny. I'm not going to yes. lie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh. Searches for Omar and finds nothing. That's, finds nothing. That's hard. That's brutal. Yeah. So, um. What else? Let's see. Uh, I've got a couple things. I'm leaving town. 
this week. We're both leaving town, excitedly enough. Should we be saying that on the air? I'm not sure, but whatever. (laughs) We'll keep that to just the 14 people that listen will know. Uh, I'm heading to Chicago and Indianapolis. Very exciting trip for me. I'm going to be going to Wakanda Con in Chicago first. I'm going to be moderating a panel called Sisterhood Through the Lens of Wakanda with uh, Sharonda J. Brown and Paige Ingram and Reverend Kim Hampton. I'm really excited about it. We've been meeting like every week for the last three weeks, just kind of talking through things, making sure flow is going to be good. And we have some really fun stuff in store for the people that are attending. Um, We're going to incorporate some different music and some different inspirational pieces. And I'm really excited. The conversation is going to be wonderful. Um, Obviously, um, Sharonda uh, writes extensively about Black Panther and um, and the Marvel Universe, generally speaking. But I think her expertise and knowledge is going to be fantastic for the panel. And in case you hadn't heard yet, Reverend Kim Hampton recently, uh, just two weeks ago, signed her book deal to write a book about the theological implications of Black Panther. So I'm really excited to have her on the panel as well. So... That's amazing. I know. And Kim's amazing. So I'm super excited about that. And then... Uh, you have two two authors that have written about Black Panther on yeah. a panel yeah. in Wakanda Khan yes. talking about Black Panther. Yes. And we are the only ones talking specifically about sisterhood and, on the whole weekend. Other people are talking about like women in STEM and representation in um, technology and even representation in sci-fi, but not specifically about the connections between black women on screen. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, let's see. And then uh, the next day I head to Indianapolis to uh, deliver the Emancipation Nap Address, time. which is part of their Liberation Weekend they do every year. Um, El Hearns delivered this address last year. So I'm really honored to be following her in esteemed her company. very esteemed footsteps. And I'm really excited to share share a word with uh, the people in Indianapolis. And it's one of the bigger speaking gigs that I've gotten the chance to do. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Dominic and meet his new little baby. And um, and I used to live in Indianapolis, for those who didn't know, for a very short period of time after college, yeah. uh, before, before I met you, actually. You said this is a big deal. The the graphics, some of the like promotional stuff they put out. I'm like, whoa, that's like, I'm not trying to like, you normally don't have things put out like that, but this is like high end graphic work, like professional. Somebody like sat down. I was like, whoa, all right, dang. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So that's what's going on with me. Is that, and just for my edification, Mm. is that in any way, shape or form streamed or recorded or anything? Uh, I don't know. I don't know at all. I'll ask, I guess. If if it is, I'll make sure to tweet it and. And Facebook and yeah, minimally make sure people take a couple of pictures of you on the dais or whatever. Yeah, I definitely. I'm sure they'll have photos. Yeah, they do pretty good with that. Um, well, that's an exciting weekend. It is. And Congrats. what's going on with you as I go to the blackest? I'm just gonna. I'm possible. just gonna. I'm just gonna be here uh, <laughs> at the house, man in the house the whole time. Oh, good. That's good. You know, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got uh, some fun things with the brothers. Excellent. Yeah. The brothers Mac. That's yeah. Wonderful. So we'll be we'll be doing uh, crazy white things, crazy while white people things, yep. while I'm doing amazing black, black people things. things. Yeah. I love it. Sounds about sounds two about sides white. of a coin. <laughs> Interracial <laughs> John. Interracial John. Shit, motherfucker. Shit, motherfuckers. Drew and Leslie. Yeah. We love you. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that's a different song. Um, uh, let's get into it then. The news is coming on. The news is coming on. I saw this video on the face of books about a man who has been stuck in Kuala Lumpur airport for over a hundred days. 
Wow. And um, it's a really, you know, I think it, it just shows the state of global affairs right now. What's been what's happened to him. Um, I'm going to see. If, I'm going to try and play this. Okay, can you hear that? Yeah, I'll turn that. And I'm stuck at Kuala International Airport for more than 108 days so far. This is my story. So he tells the whole story. I'll share, obviously, the link to the um to the uh to the to the video but uh he was uh he's from um where did they say he was from Kuala Lumpur no he's not from Kuala Lumpur that's where he's stuck right now he's actually from um I spent my day reading and on the net my only access to Asia Air gives me three meals a day which is what I'm currently surviving on Mm. He doesn't even have luggage. It's like My a little bit. My problem started back in 2011 when I was working and living in United Arab oh, Emirates. Oh, from Syria. The Syrian war started. I refused to join the fight because I don't believe in war. So I become wanted to the Syrian government. The Emirati authorities wanted to deport me to Syria, but after protesting and insisting to be sent anywhere else, I was sent to Malaysia. So Malaysia is one of the few countries that gives visas to Syrians upon arrival. So he was accepted into Malaysia um, on a like, a, you know, three month uh, visitor visa. When that became up, he was not allowed to stay there anymore. So he went to back to the airport and basically has been trying to get on a flight to go to another country that does not require a visa for Syrians to enter, which if you know about the climate here has become a very a shrinking number of countries. Um, And so he tried to get to Ecuador. He tried to get to Cambodia. He tried to get to a bunch of places. And it's gotten to the point where the Ecuador one was really heartbreaking because they were for sure going to let him in. He bought his ticket, spent all of his money to go. He went to get on the plane and the airline would not let him fly because he has a Syrian passport. So Ecuadorian government was cool, but the airline was like, no. But the airline was like, no. Um. So I just wanted to call attention to this one because there's a lot of these conflicts happening in airport situations. We were just reading the other day about like 200 pilots since January that have refused to fly um, uh, deport to deport refugees back to Afghanistan, back to Afghanistan. Um, and you, there was a video going around about a young woman in Sweden named Elin who did something similar on a flight that that had somebody being deported back to Afghanistan. She just refused to take her seat until he was taken off the plane so he wouldn't get um, deported. And so I, I call attention to this because, you know, it's like that movie with Tom Cruise or not yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom uh, Hanks, Tom Hanks, you know. Airports and airlines have become kind of a first line defense because we've and we've seen that here in the United States with the detainees and um, migrant children that have been kidnapped by the U.S. government is that airlines are just being pressured. And I, I talked about this a couple of months ago where I said, you know, we really need to get into a place as a as an or as a movement, as a people, as uh, freedom fighters, as whoever that we are evaluating uh, the pressure points. I feel like not enough people have understood that the things, like if I get one more email for a petition to sign, I'm like, who are you, who are you writing petitions to? These people, 
And I'm going to use that phrase very specifically. These people in this administration don't give a fuck about your petitions, what you think, how many signatures. They don't care. They're literally just blatantly yeah. lying every goddamn day and raping and pillaging the entire planet and the earth and this country and its people with no consequence. So your petition is no longer falling to a place where it's going to be like, oh, we got a hundred, a thousand signatures. Now we're going to respond to it. It's they don't give a shit about any of it. Yeah. So if that's the case, we need to kind of switch our tactics and start putting pressure on the private side sector where shame still works and exists because they care about their their actual reputation um yeah, there's a poll on cnn that said more people are in favor of impeachment than are in favor of 45's presidency mm. and i was like poll congress because it's fucking totally irrelevant it's irrelevant completely irrelevant yeah so um yeah i just wanted to call attention to that i'm, I'm ho- hoping he can get some relief and i uh, you know the people there's a petition going around for him which may work because it is petitioning um the the airline um to, to airlines to let him Who's, on the flight the young man okay um at the air in the Kuala Lumpur and so airport. again you're you're now saying I get to your point the private sector not correct the private sector I got you so they're not appealing to the government or anything like that I think they're just trying to you know get him actually they're trying to get him into Canada is where they're trying to get him they're hoping that the Canadians will accept him um because they do take Syrian refugees. Um, so that is just a heartbreaking story. And again, like I said, I just think that it's just one story of many of situations that are happening in airports uh, and airport settings, um, where, you know, it's this weird thing. We've had this, these decades of an expanded globalization of the, of the world where connections seem so close because of digital media and, um, access to internet and things like that. But, you know, when we get down to it, it's these face-to-face interactions that affect people's lives so much. So I just wanted to call attention to that. Yeah, airports do a lot more. The TSA is like a weird, there was, this, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or mm. we talked about it personally, uh, an individual that was not from the U.S. but had lived here for many, many years and might have been naturalized at that point, but was going home, and I forget what country, and was bringing a dump load of cash because American currency is sort of like a hedge against inflation, right? Like you, even though <clears throat> we don't think of it, <clears throat> excuse me, the U.S. dollar in other impoverished places is better than like the Argentine peso against inflation, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So like U.S. currencies valued, a lot of it goes home in a variety of ways. So the individual had his life savings, life savings, mm. tens of thousands of dollars and was traveling with it and knew, I have to declare this, it's more than X amount. I have me and my wife, we're going to declare it, was traveling out of New York internationally, but had a domestic flight connecting between like, like Omaha to something to New York and then international. Right. And on the, on the domestic leg, they took all his money, mm. took every fucking red cent. And like, you know, I forget, maybe we have, I don't know if we, again, if it's this podcast or most, but there's this weird thing about people versus goods like you're innocent till proven guilty your goods and things are guilty till proven innocent mm. so like and like they know that shit when they they rico your home and they come in and they take all sorts of like property and stuff they take an amount that's exactly that like you're not gonna fucking sue to get it back sure and then like if they take a, a boat let's say they take a boat you sue to get it back like five years from now it's been sitting in a fucking dry dock rotting and all fucked up here's your boat back you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and i'm, I'm I don't know if cash is the same way, but like, and then they misreported the amount of cash that they took. It, it's just the airports, TSA, I, the whole thing just feels inappropriate in a lot of ways. And I'm yes. sure the whole like, the, there's been discussion about 
tracking and, and, you know, facial recognition and stuff, believe you me, they know every person in that every airport. Mm-hmm. If you, if you step in an airport and you're not supposed to, they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Not a, uh, not a surprise. Coming movie pass. Oh Lord, movie pass. Movie has now blocking. We've been talking about movie pass for yeah, a couple. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, and now uh, AMC's got their own uh, Prime A list. Much more expensive. Much more expensive. Which obviously is necessary because of the news you're about to yeah. share now. Yeah. Movie pass is now blocking users from seeing Mission Impossible Six. Yikes! Uh, after more than a 24-hour outage, uh, and if people weren't aware, outage due to they running out of money. So movie pass ran out of cash. Their model not just ran out. They ran out of cash, man. They couldn't pay for the movies that people were trying to book. They, they got a they got specific. a they got an invoice from a, a a movie company, and they couldn't, they couldn't pay. pay it, so they had to shut the app down. That's that's different than just a mere outage. Yes, <laughs> like that's not an outage. Our entire model is predicated on cash flow, of which we have none. Uh, and battled subscription service movie pass is now barring all users from seeing Mission Impossible Fallout. Hmm. Uh, saying movie pass isn't having a good weekend will be a massive understatement. Service that began offering customers ability to watch 2D film every day. For only nine ninety five monthly fee last summer is seemingly collapsing under the weight of subscriber demand as Hollywood heads into the final stages of this year's blockbuster season. Thursday night's movie pass, millions of subscribers were surprised and displeased to find out they couldn't use the service to see any movie unless they were one of the few who happened to live near a theater that movie pass partners with offer e-tickets. Mm. The next morning it was revealed that movie pass had literally run out of money, couldn't pay for its subscriptions, uh, subscribers tickets, being this was preview, uh, preview night for Mission Impossible Fallout. The social media vitriol flew wildly. Uh, by Friday, movie pass was up and running again, albeit with nearly every showing even for movies that had been out for over a month by that point, mm. coming with a peak pricing surcharge. Wow. It's And I I remember when they got like, maybe it was either another round of money or somebody was trying to like call them out. Maybe it was AMC when they were battling AMC because AMC's like, you know, fuck are you doing? This is bizarre. You can't be possibly paying us all this money. And they said that it was like, oh, it's the data. You know, it's the data. We're going to make money on the data. Uh, you know, that kind of, that model works when your product is like a, a bunch of like servers, like Facebook can make money on data. Twitter can make money on data. Snapchat can make money on data. You can't make money on data paying movies for attendees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, no, you can't. That, that just seems so illogical. That just literally doesn't make any sense at all. And like, it's if, just kind of against the paradox of movies generally, <laughs> the movie industry <laughs> generally speaking. It's been kind of confusing for me how it was supposed to yeah, work. Yeah, like Hollywood doesn't make movies for data. They make movies for cash. Mm. They make movies for billions of dollars. I don't know mm-hmm. what movie fans are doing. And like you said, the AMC one's literally twice as much money. And you can't see as much movies as you want. It's, I think, limited to three a week. And it's tied to your ID, too. Wait. Whereas, like, I don't know how MoviePass works, but I bet you I could have printed a ticket and handed it to you. <clears throat> you know what uh, I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I don't know how that works. If they, like, could just do it right then and then like, just go out. Oh, I forgot something in the car and, like, give it to somebody else. Maybe. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know how it works. Well, um, I always see people at the little desk, so I don't know if that's, like, the beginning of the Yeah, end. I don't know if that, like, changes and whatever. I, I said this this morning that, that there was a bunch of people, not a bunch, but there was some sort of, like, I don't know why, but like online people are like, you know, like, oh, I love this thing. You know, I hate it. And you're an idiot for loving it. So like movie pass is failing and there's this whole like, oh, thank God I didn't do that. And I'm like, but, but why? Like 995 for as many movies as you could see, like, why would you be mad? You, you missed out on that gravy train. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the like being grateful you didn't do that. Oh, thank God I didn't do that. Really? Cause it was 10 bucks for a shitload of movies, but mm-hmm. anywho. 
Yeah. So I was just, I saw this article. I thought it was really interesting. Afro Native Americans now have a digital space made specifically for them by them. This magazine just released a community and space for positive stories dedicated to our black and Native American brothers and sisters. So we live in a time where multimedia companies and publishing platforms dedicated to people of color are just go they're everywhere right we see them all over the place um they continue to influence broadcast content they have web videos all of this stuff um and so they're just been kind of a whole afro native americans haven't really had um a space like that uh specifically um and so upon hearing about this, uh, multimedia multimedia publisher Native Max Magazine teamed up with activist, speaker, published writer, and community organizer and performer Jonas De Lone Wolf, um, who is from the um, Olala, Oglala, Lakota, and African American. She's, she's both of those. And Native um, education advocate and doctoral student Thomasina Chupo, who is part Seminole and African American, to launch Native Max Afro Native. Oh. Um an online community and space for positive stories dedicated to black and native Americans. Native Max magazine is devoted to inspiring and entertaining readers while celebrating their indigenous cultures and stories through positive storytelling. Uh, though their platforms and content through their platforms and content, Native Max magazine wants to bring readers uh, the positive and inspiring side of Indian culture. Um, Lone Wolf and Chupco are highly involved within the black native communities and feel that the new series is important to Indian country. Quote, as an enrolled Aglala Lakota tribal member and being half black as well, I thought it was important for people like me to be recognized as Lone Wolf. She continues, I'm so happy that Native Max Magazine collaborated with myself and Thomasina on embracing native and black mixed people. Chopka agrees, quote, I take pride in being mem- a member of the Seminole tribe. I am so excited to be working with Native Max Magazine alongside with my sister, Yonasta Lone Wolf. The Black and Native series has given us the chance to tell our story through our own narrative, and I'm loving every bit of it. So I just thought it was really cool. You can go to nativemax.com and check it out. I'll put a link to the story so you can read more about it. But I just thought it was really cool, and I'm excited to read the stories that they put out on that. On the yeah, I'll give that really a cool. thing. Definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's surreal. Seattle's Pike Place Fish Market sold to fish throwing employees. Can you oh, believe wow. it? I've actually gone and visited that. I know you have. Uh, let's see. And there's a piece I'm going to play. Does it have sound? Does it? I don't know. Oh, I think it's just them throwing fish. Yeah. So, and you've probably seen videos of it, but uh, the technique of flinging fish from the display cases of the nearly 90 year old Pike Place fish market to the scales hasn't changed for Anders Miller, Samuel Samuelson, Jason Scott, or Ryan Reese, who together have worked at the Seattle Landmark for decades, but now they're the owners, not just the hired hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Scott has an old photo of himself as a seven year old with his mother's former boss, John Yokoyama, who took him down to the Seattle waterfront regularly and taught him how to pick out the freshest fish, how to spit, and how to curse. Yeah, treat us like sun, said Scott, 45, who spent years working for Yokoyama, 78, at Pike Place Fish Market, the open-air shop, which is famous for its team of mongers tossing customer selections from the ice pack displays at the front to the scales at the back. Wow. They sold it to the actual people that have been doing the fish flying. Yeah, but it's weird because it went from POC owned to white people. The market, along with species, has become Seattle's most well-known landmark. 
Early in the month, he and three longtime employees, Samuel Samson, Rice Reese, 40, Andrews Miller, you're right, they're all white. White dude. Bought the store from Yokoyama, becoming equal partners in the nearly nine-year-old oh, business. Oh, they're partners with him. Okay. Oh, they're equal no, partners with yes, each other. I with see. each other. It's the other. Mm-hmm. He sold it. It's surreal, said Samson, who managed the store for three decades. I'll see it. Uh, I'll, it'll seem real when we get the first bill on the loan and the lease. Um, the foursome did not disclose what they paid for the shop, but Yokoyama, who bought the business from its founder for 3500 in 1965, said he worked with the kids, that's in quote, to make the purchase possible because they're 45. Uh, he could have sold it to just about anyone, but he went out of his way to sell it to us, said Reese, who grew up in Ballard. The city is changing so fast, it's an honor to be a part of a small thousand square foot legacy that makes this city special. Uh, the place is one of the first stops in Seattle for a lot of people from all over the world, and we love being ambassadors for this city, Reese added. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it is going from POC to... Okay, yeah, I'm going to stop with that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I thought that was interesting. I think it's cool when employees buy a thing. I just, I was like watching it, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I guess they've been running for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, I get that, obviously, they're qualified. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I yeah. just was thinking about, you know, as people I know that live in Seattle already dealing with, like, heavy gentrification erasure of um, POC communities poc culture within the city um so it's just interesting wow yeah uh there's a little bit about the fish shop in yokoyama and why he started throwing the fish he said uh, yeah one day he he counted how many steps it took him to get to the back and weigh it and it was 100 steps so he said uh here kid catch and he threw the fish instead mother uh, necessity mother mentioned i hadn't you know i would have read that and i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have necessarily thought of that as moving uh, from POC to White Hands, but it that's definitely a mm. happening. Happening, yes. Um, I saw this in the in the Tribune. Your mother would be so proud. <laughs> uh, prison is not where women need to be. An all female task force wants to cut Illinois' uh, female prison population in half. I'm gonna play. Oh, because I'm wearing these kind of clothes or I have these body parts. Don't see that. Just see me for what I do. You know. I had one person tell me, like, you're going to get locked up. This is going to happen. This is you're going to get shot at. You might get killed. So to me, I'm like, OK, that's a notch under my belt. That's, you know, I'm graduating. That was my thought process the first time I was arrested. But there was many times I was arrested. So it took a toll on me. Like, man, I spent so many years behind bars. We're in America, it's supposed to be free. I'm not free. I, you know, I can't leave and walk out this place when I feel like it. I have two kids and they're growing up now without a mother. So it was like, I'm doing the same thing my mother did with me. Uh, the number of women locked up in Illinois prisons would cut, would be cut by as much as a half under an ambitious proposal by reform advocates who argue that the correction system has largely ignored the needs of female inmates, many of whom suffered years of trauma, abuse, or poverty after winding up behind bars. Though their numbers overall are dwarfed dwarfed by the size of the male prison population, nearly 2,300 women are now serving time in Illinois, with eight of every 10 female inmates in Illinois is a mother and often the primary parent. Their removal from society has damaging ripple effects on families and neighborhoods, experts say. On Wednesday, an 100-member all-female task force of experts, current and former prison officials, and formerly incarcerated women will announce a seven-year effort to bring down by 50% the number of women in the Illinois Department of Corrections. The task force, which includes Illinois Supreme Court Justice Ann Burke and Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, 
uh, plans to consider a wide range of options, everything from changing laws to designing more uh, social service programs. The formerly incarcerated women met for the first time to discuss the project as a working group last month at Grace House, a residential program on the city's near west side for women exiting prison. This is the first in the nation. Dean Benos, a former Illinois correction officer, was leading the effort, told the group 100 women, all women, building, coming together to build and plan and cut the women's prison population by 50% or more. The group who promised friends they left behind in prison, they'd fight for their well-being, broke into applause. I worked for the Department of Corrections. Benos continued, I'm doing this because I failed. As much power as I supposedly had, I felt like I was in molasses all the time. I was fighting for women. Um... So anyways, I just thought this was really interesting, like novel approach. Uh, I talk all the time about this, like duality between um, abolition and um, and reform when it comes to, you know, organizing work mm-hmm. and activism and things like that. But for me, there's like they both have a place because we do need to acknowledge the need to alleviate the current suffering that is happening right now, which is definitely like a reform angle to take. You know, the idea of not doing anything short of um, abolition is really difficult because uh, we have women that are languishing in prison. We have men that are languishing in prison. We have children that are languishing in detention and, and um, communities that are harmed by this. So the question becomes like, where do we split our efforts and how do we go about making, um, even if we have an abolitionist um, perspective, point of view and praxis, how do we acknowledge systems like this or programs like this or platforms like this that are going to, you know, lead in the right direction and alleviate current, um, current pain and suffering. And so I just thought it was interesting, A, that it was all women, that it included incarcerated women. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting thing. Kim Fox is trash, but other than that, um, that's a separate conversation. And, and, you know, like on the male side, uh, you know, uh, incarcerated women drastically uh, disproportionate against women of color. I think a third are, uh, are African American or black, and I think sixteen or fifteen percent of state and federal incarcerations are are uh, Latina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's you know, it's interesting you say that this sort of du- not duality but balance between. Uh, call it like revolution versus reform, right? Oh wait, you know? Kim Fox is the one that we we got the other person out of office, and Kim Fox won the the seat. I mean, I think it's one of those things of like, you know, she's a black woman, but she's also a state's attorney. So I feel like you always have to understand that that's still going to be somebody that, as an organizer, you're fighting against pretty much yeah. all the time. Was, you, you said to me one time, we're going tangential, tangential, but you vote for who you want to fight against, not who you like. Well, that's my perspective as an organizer, for sure. That's yeah. when I go in the ballot box. I'm never actually voting for somebody that has your I haven't. Heart. Well, I'll say no. this as a 42 year old black woman, I've never had the opportunity to vote for somebody in any election that I truly believed in, quote unquote, in that in the uh, existential sense. Uh, I've mostly gone into the voting booth to be like, okay, do, do less harm, yes, but also who am I? Who do I think is going to be a more fair opponent to to argue with, to push right. against, to um, to agitate? All of those things. Where do I think that my arguments might have purchase? Where do I think I can um, move somebody in some in some direction or some way? That's how I go into it, anyways. Like I guess so. we're going tangential, tangential, but you're talking sure. about this uh, prison reform versus like prison abolition Mm. and there's a and i you'll know more and i don't want to go too far out but there's like a a a cock brothers funded movement to do quote-unquote prison reform criminal justice reform criminal justice i'm I'm putting huge air quotes around Mm -hmm. it but what it really is is moving more of it into private 
enterprise, right? Like, oh, like we're going to make cells bigger and we're going to have more healthy meals that the Koch brothers get to build and supply and make. And you know what I mean? It's just like, you've got to invent a new way to keep doing the thing that they're doing. And they're using public, you know, righteous, uh, you know, outcry about incarceration to like fund new (laughs) incarceration efforts Mm -hmm. under the guise of reform. Yeah. It's so I, I totally get the, you know, when you say you, you use a, a critical eye, but it's, it's tough to balance because, you know, you might see this Cock Brothers prison reform thing and like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's better. Mm. Versus, yeah. you know, this Tribune piece. This Tribune piece. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yeah. Oh, wait. So it's my thing? Yeah. yeah I got to turn my shit off. Oh, I'm going to actually do this one. Sorry. Every time, dude, it's beautiful. It's literally beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's like, fuck you, we're not going to do it. Fuck you. Well, yes, all cops this week. I wanted to talk about this story um, out of St. Louis. A 10 black Washington University students stopped by Clayton police falsely accused of leaving IHOP without paying. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. All right. 10 Washington University students, all black and all incoming freshmen, were stopped by Clayton police last month while walking to a Metrolink stop from a late night dinner and told they were suspected of leaving the IHOP restaurant without paying, university officials said. Even though some of the students had receipts showing they had paid for their meal, police made them all walk three blocks back to the restaurant with six squad cars following them. At the restaurant, the manager told officers the stu- those were not the students who left without paying. Details of the incident were laid out in an email from the associate vice chancellor in charge of helping new students transition to university life. Rob Weil wrote, needless to say, the students were shaken and upset. This is obviously extremely disappointing. Not how any of us would like to welcome our new students. Now, these black students were um, in uh, in town earlier than the rest of the student body um, to take place in, in uh, a kind of welcoming student orientation type thing. Yep. Um, and, uh, according to the university's website, the student attending the program may be among the first in their family to attend college or coming from high school with limited advanced placement options. This intensive five week academic program provides students with the opportunity to earn seven college credits, make friends, become familiar with the campus and surrounding neighborhoods and register early for fall classes before other first year oh students. Oh my God. They so were this there. is why they were there. They were there early for a fucking program designed to like, to help allow, them yeah, transition. Yeah. To, to allow them to to be a part of the campus and have some community oh my fucking that's just like the biggest insult to injury yeah and it's like you did all of you had six squad cars follow these students i I was gonna say for a a a jump paper bill get the fuck out of here honestly they responded like there was an active shooter literally you know six cars walk back and of course because it was black right Mm -hmm. you know like i just (sighs) yeah and also, they said that the people that they described didn't look, they didn't even describe anybody that looked like them. And like, it's a skip check, you know? And that, that, that might be a different, an entirely different, maybe that's a, a medium article or some sort of something. Yeah. About how, I know the police have always been used for private corporation purposes, like the, the genesis of the police was, you know, like slave patrol kind of thing. Yeah. But somewhere the public consciousness, it's just become totally like, the police enforce private companies. I don't know what. Like that used to be like not what. Like did, wasn't there like Pinkerton and other like like security forces like they had like Brinks has their own people. Like mm-hmm. if Brinks gets robbed, they don't charge. They don't call nine one one. Oh, I'm sure they do call nine one one. Yeah, also. that's true. 
but it's just like I don't, I don't, I don't know. This is, I don't know. We all got so accepting with the police's role to be enforcing companies' fucking regulations and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really get any of it, quite frankly. I mean, I do because it's policing and that's how it works. But I just thought it was literally the while sending email. The students did not really appear to fit the description of the suspect other than being black. So it was like, oh, black people left. Oh, look, a group of black people. Any group of black people. It did. They didn't even like bother. And again, the students were like, no, we paid. Here's all of our meals. Here's our receipts. I don't give a fuck. Walk your ass back. Can you imagine? 17, 18 years old, probably your first time away from home in this instance. I I just, I honestly would go home. I wouldn't even go back to school. And I just, I'm saying that really honestly. Like, yeah, you want to talk about a fucking black tax? Shit, that program is a black tax in and of itself. But here you are participating in it anyways. It's trash. All right, let's move on to the next sub- sub- segment, even though that's going to make me upset too. You got to pick one of these. I do. I'm going to read them off. You have to decide. I can't fade out anymore. I did something. All right. Um. So there's three options for okay. a wild black sub uh, segment this week. The only, only three. Well, there's just the three I have. Three in here. you chose because there's choose, lots. Yes, you can choose riding wild black, couponing wild black, or farming wild black. Any of those, which would you like to hear about? Well, I know the couponing. That's the CVS one. Yes. Fucking. So I don't have to hear that one. Okay. And just pick one. Farming while black. Yeah. I think that'll just piss me off because of the farmer subsidy from Trump. Okay. Um, so let's do riding while black. All <laughs> They're right. all going to piss me off. I'm, I'm going with riding while black. Riding while black. Excellent. Uh, Martha's Vineyard bus driver fired after racist remark to potential passenger. Hmm. A Martha's Vineyard Transit Authority bus driver has been fired after ignoring a potential passenger Wednesday, telling the passenger later that they drove by them, quote, because you are black, according to the agency. So just straight up like a, wow. A Route 13 bus driver who was not identified, of course, was traveling from Edgartown to Oak Bluffs around 425 p.m. when they passed by a person on Beach Road near Oakdale Drive who was trying to flag the bus down. Transit Authority said in a statement released Thursday, the bus was at capacity, but the driver failed to switch the marquee to note that the bus was full. And they pass the passenger by. Interesting. So this is this is always the like. There's something right. There's like, oh, he was full. Yeah. <laughs> the person took um, an Uber to Oak Bluffs, arriving shortly after the bus. When the person confronted the bus driver about being ignored, the driver said it was because the bus was full. But when the person put back pushed back on that response, the driver said, "Well, it's because you're black," according to onboard footage of the exchange. So again, video. They I got just, actual video. Of they it. fired a dude effective immediately, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, really? This is Trump's America. Yeah, these these white people are wilding out here in these streets. There was a, I saw it on Twitter. It didn't get 
nearly it obviously didn't get national press but a black dude at, at planet fitness working out in a hoodie and white woman taps him on the shoulder like you're making me uncomfortable blah 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 and he's like fuck you i'm not being uncomfortable you're making me uncomfortable get out of here and she goes and tell, does the whole like you know the story goes to management yep. i feel I'm threatened, threatened. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like surprisingly the the story ends with them actually checking the videotape and revoking her membership they should fuck and, that yeah. bitch and when she complains about it, like it there's video. There's video here. <laughs> like, Ma'am, video. you're a liar and you're a fucking liar and you're a racist. Double. Get the fuck out of here. Listen, shame racists everywhere they are. Shame them and keep um, shaming um, them. Team racists should be shame fired them. and shamed. Shame them. And like you said, the private sector is about the only place where, because police aren't held accountable. Nope. Prosecutors aren't doing shit. Nope. And like you said, it doesn't matter. And uh, let's be clear, like the reason why, like there, there's this Overton window, right? Of like this situation of people really, truly being emboldened by this racist in the White House and um, thinking they can do whatever they want. You know, I, that's that t-shirt. Like, don't get, don't let your, your president get your ass, ass whipped. Yeah. And I mean that sincerely. And I'm not suggesting any black people do any violence because we will suffer the consequences. I'm just saying, listen, shit is real out here and it's time for people to really and, choose a side. And, and, that's all I'm saying. And, and when you, Go out with your MAGA hat and show your fucking ass. Listen, you've picked a side. You picked a and, side, and you work at a workplace where it it's you know the side you've you've picked in reality wasn't the most popular side. There's three million people on the other side, right? So like you might go into a workplace and it's within every employment office's right to say, "Ooh, you in your MAGA hat ass showing." is not comfortable for some people in this office now. Probably women of color or other people in this office. So you, you can't be here. It's it's just a simple math. You you look like a complete idiot. No thanks. Mm. Unless you're like, and even though like, I wouldn't even say unless, even if you've got your own little business, because that lawyer guy that went all crazy about uh, Latinx people serving him a fucking bagel or some shit. Yeah. He, he ended up fucking, you know, I don't know, but had some, some consequences to his legal business. The, Permit Patty lost her cannabis for dogs business or certainly had a dent in it. So I'm, I'm here for that all the time, all mm, day mm, long, mm. all day long. Interesting. All right. Uh, next segment. It's been a while. This time. I'm so. For union. I get so many. Or onion with very and white you know, guy. You said union or onion and we can't really change it. But what was the, wasn't there literally a. a United Stoats or United, United Sat? I don't United know. United Sats, Sats I think Stats. it was. That they, that they literally made it. The, the White House made a. States. United made, States. Made a like image, a meme for social media that spelled United States wrong. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Like official seal. Tweeted out. Listen, by I the get dragged for president. misspelling shit all the time. I, however, am not the White House. Union or onion? Union or onion? Here we go. All right, here we go. Turn us down. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Senate passes bipartisan resolution preventing themselves from stopping Trump. Union or onion? Oh man, bipartisan. Mm-hmm. I must say that's true. Onion! All right, here we go. Damn it. Giuliani once praised Michael Cohen as honest, but now says Cohen has lied all his life. I'm sure that's true. That is true. Uh, White House press corps wishes show of solidarity over banned reporter could be for a better news organization than CNN. White House reporter says this? Say that again? The the White House press corps wishes show of solidarity over banned reporter could be for a better news organization than CNN. I'm going to say Onion. That is Onion. Okay. All right. 
Trump sought Israel's help to free American pastor in Turkey, officials say. Sure, that sounds true. <laughs> that is true. Huckabee Sanders claims playing Cohen tape backward reveals hidden message exonerating no, Trump from all that's wrongdoing. Not, that's New Betsy DeVos rule would limit loan relief for defrauded students. Uh, I actually saw that. That's fucking disgustingly true. It is disgustingly true. And as it, is it, everything that it, Betsy DeVos does. And it's She's still got to be related to like Trump University. Of course it is. <laughs> that shit's about to go to trial too. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, Paul Ryan calls on Trump to take dismantling of America more seriously. That's onion. <laughs> yes. Uh, judge allows case alleging illegal foreign gifts to proceed against the president. I think that's the emollients thing. Is that true? That's it true. is the emollients thing. It is yeah. true. Yes. Uh, Comey warns Democrats that having leftist politics gets you on the FBI watch list. <laughs> that's true, too. It's the onion, but I will say that I, I do kinda, believe it's I, true. I fucking, <laughs> I, like, I'm telling you, dude, like identity, <laughs> black identity extremist. Come on. Yeah, it's like, kind of, I, like if black identity extremist is literally like that's a thing the FBI already has. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that leftist politics is 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 always equating to that but like in my own personal journey and i think for a lot of other white men in particular i know the more you like understand and know and get involved the more radical you become it's almost like hard not to right Mm -hmm. like the journey's like you know it's like unless you deliberately decide to like i'm gonna stop right here and that's the like asada quote about liberals being completely useless yeah you know like i i kind of I'm, uh, I don't know. If it's onion, maybe, but black and any extremists is a thing, man. They're like tagging people. You and I are, you're on a list for fucking sure. Oh yeah. I'm deaf. I'm probably on like a hundred lists. Um, we, we know it. We've read the like Reuters report that like, like literally, and I know we've said on this podcast that I'm not like making it as a joke because our like therapist asked like, are you guys delusional? Like, no, we're not. We had to actually show her like, look, this is an article written by Reuters in the AP and the Globe and the Mail, like all over the place talking about the FBI targeting black uh organizers and here's like they had like reference like five different like absurd examples mm-hmm. and one was literally you and me yeah you know it's like you couldn't get more like well, there's more about that i mean we can get into this a little bit because i do have one other thing that have popped up for me the other day are we done with the union onion not yet we okay. have two more things to go but that memphis police spying on activists is worse than we thought an aclu aclu lawyer prepares for an upcoming trial with the memphis police department saying that they've the things they've learned about law enforcement agencies' spying habits mm-hmm, have surprised them. Um, undercover and plainclothes officers use this intel to monitor African-American hosted events and activities, even if they weren't protests, like flash mobs and dance rallies. Among the events the police monitored in stealth mode, several black church meetings, a memorial service for Darius Stewart, a teenager who was shot and killed by Memphis police in 2015, a black owned food truck festival and a gathering at a local park where an organization gave out free book bags and school supplies to students. This is what they're determined. This is what they have decided to spy on. Just to be clear. Anyways, um, I want to read the full Asada quote since you mentioned her. I don't like to quote, to say her and just say that quote. Um, as fu- this is from Asada's uh, book. Uh, as far as I can tell, you have the extreme right who are fascist, racist, capitalist dogs like Ronald Reagan, who come right out and let you know where they're coming from. On the opposite end, you have the left who are supposed to be committed to justice, equality, and human rights. And somewhere between those two points is the liberal. As far as I'm concerned, liberal is the most meaningless word in the dictionary. History has shown me that as long as some white middle class people can live high on the hog, take vacations to Europe, send their children to private schools and reap the benefits of their white skin privileges, then they are liberals. Long story short. Okay. 
So, and back to the police, you had mentioned that that's more than Memphis thought that, you know, like the ACLU's concerned in Memphis. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when it came out, the New York undercover, they had to like put in some of their like evidence at one of these trials or court cases or whatever. Yeah. Yep. They had fucking got like close enough to take literally like screen cell shots of like organizers of actions and shit. Yep. They didn't just infiltrate. They got in fucking they got in deep. deep. Uh, these are the last two union onions. Uh, HHS plans, uh, human health and human services plans to delete 20 years of critical medical guidelines next week. Well, that's totally true. Very true. And in fact, uh, I, I don't know if it's still happening, but I remember when that was first announced, there was a group of scientists and people like that, trying to download yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You could like download and mm-hmm. save data and shit. Yeah. Scrape it. Yeah. yeah I, hope they, I hope they've scrubbing it. done as best they can. A trove of medical guidelines. 20 years worth. Um, nonsense. Uh, this is the last one, which is trans women say the State Department is retroactively revoking their passports. Trans women are saying the State Department mm-hmm. is retroactively. That's totally true. Yep. Uh, I'm going to actually go in depth about this because it's really, really troubling. Um, this is from uh, them.us. Uh, I think there's an internal policy change to make it as difficult as possible for trans people. Uh, since she transitioned in 1998 at the age of 16, all of Danny Askini's identity documents have read female. But last month when Askini went to renew her passport, her request was denied. Askini says the U.S. passport office told her she, quote, failed to disclose that she was transgender and needed to provide proof of gender transition after 20 years of having a passport say that she's female. And what's proof of transgender? Hold on. What's that mean? Quote, make no mistake, this was an intentional action by the State Department to withhold recognizing my gender, who was eventually, she was eventually granted a temporary two-year passport that allowed her to travel from her Seattle home to Sweden. The activist and executive director of Justice League, Gender Justice League, needed to leave Seattle, she says, after a series of death threats posted on the anti-trans websites Kiwi Farms, as well as threats from local alt-right groups in the Pacific Northwest. She'd had her most recent passport for 10 years, but it was up for renewal. Um, Askins, Askini's battles with the U.S. State Department, which oversees the passport department, began last month, and a June 29th tweet uh, she posted about the ordeal went viral. She said, uh, today I was denied a renewal of my U.S. passport and told I would need to get a judge to unseal child welfare records from foster care in order to prove my U.S. citizenship. Despite having had all female ID since 1999, they are demanding proof of transition for the first time. Um, just this week, another trans woman encountered the same problem. New York-based technology researcher Janice Rose um, said she ha- she'd had her passport with a female gender marker since November, but recently she finalized a legal name change and sent in paperwork along with her current passport to renew the document with her new legal name. It seemed like a simple formality until she received a phone call from a passport processing center in South Carolina. She basically told me that even though the government had changed my gender marker in the last year, that was a mistake. Mm. Within the last year. The passport official told Rose that the State Department should not have allowed her to change her gender on the document and that medical documentation she supplied at the time was invalid. This letter is something my clinic has been using as a boilerplate for years for so many people. The clinic says I'm the first to get a rejection. Rose had her had successfully changed a gender mark on her passport in 2017 using a letter signed by the nurse practitioner at her clinic. The clinic says they've never encountered a person being told that the letter is invalid or that, that it had to be written by an MD. It's pretty clear that even if the policy hasn't changed, something has changed in terms of guidance on how to enforce this because it's being enforced differently now. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's one thing to, you know, it's always impossible to do things retroactively when it involves like 
you know, grandfathering black folk that are in prison for marijuana charges mm-hmm. now that weed's legal in Colorado, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, we can't do that. Oh, weed's legal, but we can't possibly let. It was illegal two days ago when you got arrested, but January 1 now, you know, we can't do anything about you. Sorry, that was the law then. But they're going to retroactively change and force, uh, really. Listen, just, let's be so, clear about this. Is, this is so gross. This is gross for a lot of reasons, but it also speaks to a signal with it. This also speaks to um, an, an uh, abuse of power that can affect all of us. I'll be clear. This is terrible for our trans siblings, and it, it is an alarm and an indication of the depths of which this administration will go to to ostracize and to um, penalize people for actually just being themselves and being trans. But the the more insidious piece of this, and this is why I always say, like, you know, that 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 quote is like, oh, first they came for whoever. This is a first they came for situation because let's be clear, I'm gonna have to renew my passport at some point, right? And I may not have any issues with my gender uh, assignment on my passport. However, um, they could deny it for all sorts of reasons. And it's clear that they're gonna leverage whatever reasons there might be out there to deny passports to people as they see fit based on the individual. And their status as an, as a human being, their identity, whatever those identities might be. So, so this is, this is, uh, you know, this is what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like nobody's really taking into account the, like, the, the cesspool that we are, the, the point that we're at in this country. Like, it's yeah. scary. It's I mean, really, it, like, truly, truly frightening. And aren't they retroactively looking at naturalization people as Yes, well? they, they are going back to people who have been naturalized yeah. and seeing if they made any errors on their on their um, forms, even if they yeah. misspelled a name or anything. They're going back to see if they um, put any false information on them. They're, they're going to, if you got convicted of a crime after your naturalization, they're, they're suggesting they can strip you of your citizenship. And I'm not saying these two things are totally analogous but i think when the you mentioned overton window when the when the the office the highest office of the land when the 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 white house the president and 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 congress when they're saying this is this is acceptable behavior this is how we behave this is how we behave it becomes probably more acceptable for everyone other corporations people start behaving the same way and uh if you can find it please do because i don't want to mispronounce her name but a young woman in kalamazoo was denied the Kalamazoo promise for living outside of quote unquote Kalamazoo for six months in a homeless shelter. Mm. And, and the, the rationale of just being able to deny her this, this grant that allows you to, to get free college in a discount on college. If you go to Kalamazoo public schools and if you go from kindergarten through, through 12th grade, you get college for free. And she had this in her, her mind the whole time. And then they just ripped it out from under because of this sort of like quote unquote technicality. And again, I'm not saying it's analogous, but when the law of the land is, well, we can negate an individual on a technicality. Well, why wouldn't we do the same thing? Mm. You know, and I don't even think technicality is the wrong. It's that not technicality. Technicality is the wrong. What it is, wrong. It's, an inf- it's, it's an ability to enforce. And this is what they're trying to say in this article, which is that, sure, the policy hasn't changed, right? So the State Department, we haven't changed the policy. But when you make a, I mean, this is this is actually also like 
this is part of the problem with o- President Obama using executive orders and such high numbers, which is that they're able to be wiped away. And so you can have an administration that has a mm. policy of just saying like, yes, this is a policy, but this is how we're going to enforce it. And without changing the policy itself, you n- allow a further, uh, you know, a future administration to take out the way that you were applying it and decide to apply it with much more uh, biased restrictions yeah, and, 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 I'm not, and application. I'm, I'm no uh, Obama, you know, I'm not like he's the best ever, greatest thing, this and that. I'm not an apologist or, or uh, you know, pillorying the man. But uh, he he did a lot of executive orders because of the obstruction in Congress. I'm, <laughs> there's, you know? I'm not saying this wasn't a, a statement about President Obama. I'm just talking about the like the, the, the fact, reality, of, the reality yeah. of we we're not even two full years into this um uh, this presidency and they rolled everything back yeah. because there were no lasting, yeah. um, you know, I would say legislative changes that were made during. Oh, well, no, there was there uh, were. ACA Obamacare. And but, that was like he 45 ran on a ticket of I'm going to wipe out Obamacare. Yeah. So, and they've basically effectively done that with their. Right. Uh, but they haven't been able to strike strike it, though. They haven't been able to the legislation. Right? They've been able to the stranglehold. It, sure. Yeah. And I think that that's a different conversation, right? That's a, uh, an issue of trying to make sure that the state that you're in, that you're involved in politics at that level as well. Right. That federal isn't the only thing that matters now. Um, But and, and never has been, although I think that that's been, you know, I would say an Achilles heel of the general understanding of the American public over the last mm. 200 or so years, um, which is that both of those things are important. But I think that, that that's what I, I'm trying to say is that, you know, when you leave wiggle room in um, a policy, you allow uh, exploitation and bias to seep in. And, you know, because the, the actual uh, policy says every applicant, um, let me see. I just want to make sure I have the right. The policy is a person seeking a gender change on a passport must submit an ID that resembles your current appearance, a recent passport photo, proof of legal name change if applicable, and quote, a medical certification that indicates you are in the process of or have had appropriate clinical treatment for gender transition. Now, that is that medical certification piece, that's the part that they're going to lean into because now they're going to say, no, you have to have a doctor, has to be this, has to be that because there's ambiguity there. And Whereas that's a, that's in the previous administration, they'd be able to say, they'd be like, we don't care what, as long as it's from any medical institution, no, then it'll we're be, fine. That'll be a specific medical institution. Absolutely. That'll be their medical institution. That'll be their medical institution. Then it'll be a whole then bunch of things. That'll be a physical exam. So I feel yeah, like that that's the part that's really disturbing about it. And also there's just this thing about, you know, we need to be collectively more concerned about what happens to our trans siblings out in the world because their plight is our plight again and again and again. This is like, you know... I don't, I don't know how many ways I can say it. And I say this for black people in particular. We cannot allow black trans people to be, uh, killed, murdered, not just by the state, but by us ourselves as well, by the circumstance of being themselves in this world. It is detrimental to us as a community and it's morally wrong. Period. If you're fighting for black lives and you have to make sure we fight for all of them, if the least among us are those we need to lift up, then our black trans siblings are the ones we need to continually be shouting about constantly. You're here. Okay. That's it for Union or Onyam. <laughs> we can move on. I'm sorry. So, 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 so. Jeez, all of your shit is broken today. 
It's not happening. So recently, Playbill uh, of Broadway fame, um, it's a publication. If y'all have not been to a Broadway show, you get a Playbill at every show you go to. It has like information about the play and also a bunch of stuff about Broadway and theater, generally speaking. And recently, um, Hello Dolly is enjoying a revival or about to, I think it's about to or just had a revival um, on Broadway. And so they had a quiz, cool quiz about a personality quiz about the leading ladies of Hello, Hello Dolly. So you answered a bunch of questions and it told you which one of these Per, uh, you know, uh, Hello Dolly's were you? It's like in the playbill, like the yeah. like. Yeah, I got you. History of, I think it was online actually. The, and the this is thing. the playbill specifically for Hello Dolly. No, no, no. This was playbill.com So they okay. put a. It's an online it. quiz. It's oh, like Hello Dolly's it, coming it, back. It, it, which it, Hello Dolly are you? Right, that's the whole thing. Got so it. which leading lady that portrayed the lead in Hello Dolly are you? Now, um, conveniently, they omitted Pearl Bailey. Who was who played the lead in Hello Dolly, and they were called out quite specifically. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, they they apologized. They said we are sorry. We recently published a personality quiz about the leading ladies of Hello Dolly. We excluded Pearl Bailey, which was wrong. Her omission was a demonstration of white privilege, creating a blind spot and a reminder that POC erasure is unacceptable. What are your thoughts now? They didn't just forget somebody. They forgot like was she the leading lady of it? She was the 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 quiz was only about people that had played the lead on Broadway in Hello Dolly. Okay, and they left her out completely. Correct. That's, okay, so we are we doing a, actually judging their apology and that the entire apology is this tweet. We uh-huh. are sorry. We recently published a personality quiz. Yeah. Well, it starts with we're sorry. Uh huh. You know, and they say what they did. We excluded Pearl Bailey, which was wrong. Her mission was a demonstration of white privilege, creating a blind spot and a reminder that privilege is unacceptable. Yeah, I give it like a like a one and a half, two. They did a lot more than most people. They didn't backtrack and like try to explain some bullshit. They didn't say sorry if you were offended. They said that this is unacceptable. They didn't talk about how it happened or what changes they're going to make to make sure it doesn't happen again. But this goes farther than you know a lot of the ones we normally read so yeah, yeah like, i mean like, the, the issues like you two- mentioned are, are whatever but one the one thing i don't like is this a reminder that poc erasure is unacceptable oh, because it's POC here's the thing you erased a black woman black you didn't erase POC. poc i hate when people yeah. use poc when they mean black i i just it's a fucking pet peeve of mine i cannot stand it because anti-blackness is a specific thing and it's not anti-POC, right? It's yep. not the same thing. And so I just wish when people mean black, just fucking say black. And they could have dropped POC. That. They could just a reminder that erasure is unacceptable. No, they need to be specific black about erasure. the erasure because yeah. it's not all erasure. They didn't erase women, generally speaking. That's true. You're right. Yeah. I think that this specificity this, is needed. But When did this come out? Has this been a little while? It's been a few weeks. Cause we were supposed to, to see this. Yeah. I, I'm only asking because I, you know, like I, I follow a few too many people on Twitter. Yeah. I'll have to fix that at some point. But I, I see a lot of things, but I like, I don't know if you do the same thing, but you're scrolling through and you see, see conversations without always knowing that the, the origin of the context, but like you see there's a dialogue happening. Mm-hmm. And there was a definite dialogue about, using black versus POC versus using African American. Oh yeah. And I didn't jump in or anything, but I, I this has been Nor should you. Of course not. Uh no, in terms of what uh, you know, as a white person, you know, this or that anything. But I've always, for a long time, because of, of you, like I, I would say I was one of these African Americans that preferred nomenclature. I'm I'm uncomfortable saying black. I'm gonna say African American. Sure. And you're like, no, I'm black. <laughs> I'm not, you know, like not that you're not 
you know, your experience is not the same as someone who is going to identify as African American. No, you're a firstborn Caribbean immigrant. You're, you're black. Not. From a different I'm not area African American. I'm Afro Caribbean. Correct. Um, and that, you know, that just is so my for, identity. For, for me, for a long so time, I've, I've had that very particular, uh, you know, but I, I see a lot of people are very uncomfortable saying black, um, using black as a reference. They think black is somehow, uh, and maybe that's some, some, says more about us and our indoctrinated anti-blackness that we think using black is somehow bad, you know, but it's, we, we, we hate being called white, white oh, people. So that was a art. That was an article this week. Wasn't it about white Americans? Yeah. Vox a put out, being, yeah, mm. being called white. The vest was uh absurdist words had a tweet that was like, Hey, white people. And then I'm not going to like read the whole thing. I can't remember what it was, but it was completely like all this stuff about white people and then ended it there. Like didn't have anything controversial, didn't have anything like, you know, and then people got all in their feels about it. And I was one of the people that was like, I was waiting for something else. I thought there was like a second, like a thread that was going to come up saying something about like more, but no, just demonstrating white people being touchy about being called white. Mm -hmm. It's because we're used to being just people. It, yeah. you know, when, you, when you other an Just entire people. group of other people and we're the norm, we don't like, uh, you know, yeah. identifying race. Well, I don't want to get into this story too much, but I, I'm going to put a link because there's a story in the LA Times about this woman named Anna March who literally spent years and years and years uh, frauding entire literary communities across the country in several what? different places. It's really interesting story. It's super long. Well, not super long. It's not that long, but it's very detailed and very involved. How, how, how does she defraud him? Give me the TLDR. She's a white woman. Listen. <laughs> That's it. She's a white woman. That's it. I'm not even joking. You can read the whole thing. It's literally like she just was a white woman who would just go into spaces and be like, I'm this, I'm that. Nobody would question her. Nobody would ask any questions. Nobody would make sure that she was who she says she was. She has like four different fucking aliases. Had like... A-list um, writers that would come to her events and, and work with her. Literally, uh, it's fascinating. Wow. So it y'all should definitely read it. It's really interesting. And that's the TLDR. She a white woman. That's it. I love that. I said, that's literally TLDR? it. She a white woman. She a white woman. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention was, uh, if you remember last year, Ronnie um, and I started the Support Black Women hashtag uh, for Houston and then later for um, Miami with Brittany Williams um, to help support folks that were affected by the hurricane season last year. And um, Brittany has taken things one step further with her um, compatriot, um, Annie Shoning, and they have created this incredible direct support crisis toolkit and resources. It is uh, a comprehensive way if you are looking to do direct support work in advance of hurricane season for you to learn how to do it, best practices, a step-by-step -step, like way for you to understand how to do this. There's like sample um, Google forms for you to utilize and mobilize your community. It's one of the best things I've seen in years of organizing. It's so comprehensive, so wonderful. They're using the hashtag Bill Maroonage um, and really just taking this idea of direct giving and direct support to the next level and systemizing it in a way that continues to cut out the middleman and moves people to uh, direct support, directly support folks in times of crisis, but also that step further is preparing to provide that support when it's needed. And I really, really, I'm going to put a link in here. I'll be, I've been tweeting about it. I've been talking about it. Um, I think we're you and I are going to try and do a Facebook Live with Brittany um, the next couple of weeks. So I really want people to 
get this in as many hands as possible. I think it's going to be a really good tool. Um, and I, I've been reading this is going to be a bad hurricane season. So now's a really good time for folks to get those muscles ready. Make sure you know what to do when it's time to spring into action to support folks. Because as we know, the, the systems that are set up in this administration are going to be shit anyways. And for sure, they're not going to reach black and brown people. So yeah, mm. I just wanted to for give sure. them a shout out for all of that. Uh, let's see. TV, we've been watching what? Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, I put that on there. I enjoy it. I really like that show. Highly um, uh, recommended. It's in the Marvel Universe. It's on Freeform, which you didn't even know was a channel till a few weeks ago. I, but I knew ABC, ABC Family. family. Me, but now it's called Freeform. And I wonder, did they just not like the family made them think they were too soft? Is that- I think it might have been like they're trying to be edgier. So I think they did yeah. their Freeform. Um, but definitely- Cloak and Dagger, definitely check that out. We also saw two movies. We saw Sorry to Bother You, which I fucking... I really want to see it again. I just feel like I need there's stuff, sounds and posters and things in the background that I was paying attention to the story. So I didn't get to pay attention to that. I'll definitely be owning it once it comes out as well. I just did you like it as much as me? I I loved loved it. it. It was uh, I feel like it was and isn't there a name for like shit that's like theater the absurd? It it was it was it had some pieces, like you said, that were. Yeah, it was definitely surreal, surreal. Yeah, I um, liked it a lot, though. But it was really great. An, an amazing statement on capitalism, racism, um, all the isms. I just thought it was really, really good. Uh, so definitely check that one out. And then we saw Mission Impossible Fallout yesterday, which I, I, I said this on Twitter, was for sure the most Tom Cruise in this movie to ever Tom Cruise. Like, I... There was a scene where, you know, like Tom Cruise running with the, the, the Tom pencil on. arms, like spike in the air and shit, where he just was running for like. No, he's in on the he, joke now. He, yeah, it's he must clear. be in on he the He literally joke. was like, we yeah. need as much running shots just as possible running. in this movie because run, run, run. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, and there it was, was. I know he does a lot of his own stunts. He does. And there was some shits that I was like. That looks like him doing that thing. No, the bike scene. You could see it was him. He does a lot of these. Um, he's fifty fucking five. So there's good for that. But I will say, little little qualm. They had a whole thing about like the bad guys being anti religion. (laughs) And I had to just laugh. You know, Tom is a Scientologist, so this idea that that's where evil is sprouting from. Anti religion. They're evil. There's also a little little like a salt based sprinkling of propaganda. Like a there's always propaganda. Every movie has propaganda. And uh, uh, this is not to dissuade you from seeing it. It's a fun summer popcorn movie. We really had a lot of fun in it. But you literally elbowed and leaned over me and told me every plot twist. Like, bloop, this thing. Bloop, that guy. Bloop, this person. Bloop, that did it. (laughs) Like, every single one. I was like, it's him. He's the bad guy. (laughs) That girl's going to do this. Oh, you going to find her here. I was literally like. And I got to pose this to the the faithful 14 or people listening to the John. And in particular, if you're a tall dude or just anyone, I guess I, I had an experience I've never had in a theater before and I'm, I'm struggling to comprehend it. And I'm not like mad about it or anything. Cause like, I know I'm tall and like being tall, like has its uh, perks and it's also people behind me. It's problems. And and I've been, we went to see uh then candidate Senator Barack Obama and stood in line at fucking 6 a.m. like all the other people. And they shuttle us in. And some person behind me is like, can I stand in front of you? I'm like, no. I'm sorry. There's about 7,000 of us here. And yeah. I'm I'm not going to step back again and no, again. We got there so early, too. It was insane. So anyway, we're at the theater. And 
I guess because I've got a bit of a belly and because it wasn't the reclining seat, I wasn't exactly as comfortable in the seat. So I'm like moving around and shifting my weight, crossing my legs. And at one point, just decide to, to sit forward, put my hands on my knees and lean forward in a theater seat that's in an IMAX-like, what do you call it, stadium-style seating theater. So it's, a, it's like, it's IMAX. So the person behind me is not just behind me. They've got to be behind me and up a little bit. Mm. At least my assumption is. Dude leans over, taps me on my shoulder, and I ignore it. <laughs> I'm like, ain't nobody fucking just tapping me in a movie. What the fuck? I ain't turning around. <laughs> he taps me again, and I lean back. He's like, can you sit back, please? And I, I did, but I was kind of like surprised. And I even like lost like about a minute of movie because I was like, did he just ask me to sit back? the fuck like how could i possibly and, wow. I, and I was looking and I was at, like i was looking at the I, I seat in front of me front i'm like if that, this this seat in front of me could be like pushed all the way forward and it would not obscure my view It'd at all impossible i feel like maybe he was trying to put his feet somewhere but i was leaning forward yeah i don't know look white people are weird don't ask me why he needed you to do that the other two shows i wanted to mention was we watched all of the first two seasons i think or first season of dr foster it was two seasons or i think it was season? two seasons that it was two is, seasons yeah that's Yo, that, that shit woman is like is white sh- woman personified for reals uh, that that's the kind of thing that makes me not want to cross a white woman <laughs> <laughs> it's like like fuck me yeah, man really she was she went fucking breaking bad like that like literally when she said, I don't want to spoil it, but she said this thing to this dude and I'm like, whoa, she said that thing. And then she made it a reality. She I was sure like, wow. did. She sure did. Like Tony Soprano, just fucking that gambling dude. Don't come in here. I bust people for a living. Yep. You don't want to be a part of this game. The <laughs> next dude, he's taking the keys to his entire like truck and the store and shit. Like, bitch, I told you what I was going to do. Yes. Uh, and then the other thing I just discovered on Netflix is Kim's Convenience. It's a Canadian show about a Korean, um, Canadian family that runs a convenience store in Toronto, uh, has a mom, dad, a brother, and a sister. It's so funny. I just really love it. It's the whole cast is, um, are Korean Canadians and it's just beautiful to see a sitcom based not in a white family um and i just think it's really funny and great and it's it's just been really funny i love it you know i i really dig it and i i like it for a lot of things but it gives me the same sense that i get from one day at a time Mm. in that you know yes it can tackle issues and yes it can tackle race and other things but like the whole like representation matters it doesn't always have to be it's just a family and they're just going about their family things and it's a window into it um and there's not tokenish Right. It seems uh, I like it. It's a really good show. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely. glad you've turned me on to it. I, I want to start watching. You said you've seen it, um, but maybe you could recommend it. Was it one Mississippi? Yeah. One Mississippi. It, Tig Nataro's show on um, Is it Navarro Amazon. Or Tig it's Na- on Nataro. Tig Nataro. Yeah, okay. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. There's two seasons of it. It's uh, the, the prep setup for the show is that her mom dies um, and uh, she goes back to where she grew up in Mississippi. She plays a version of herself so i don't know if this really happened or not and maybe it did um but uh yeah so she plays tig who's a comedian and a radio personality and she goes back to her um her southern roots to deal with her mom's death and it's kind of the story evolves from there um maybe maybe you said you'd you'd watch it again with me yeah i'll definitely watch it again with you cool uh but there's definitely some trigger warnings so just mention that to folks to be looking through that um 
The last thing is uh, you got me a um, record player for my birthday. Thank I you did. Very much. You're I'm very welcome. excited about it. One of many birthday gifts. I should so say. many birthday gifts. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. But I had a question for our listeners, which is how do you decide what vinyl to get when you have everything available digitally at your fingertips? Where, where, What are the criteria that you use? I don't even need you to um, answer. Hopefully we can get some more answers. Um, and I'll, I'll tweet about this before the next show. Um, mm-hmm. What people think about that. Um, you had a podcast standing for this week, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, before we get to the podcast, yeah, yes. I, I really am glad that those speakers I've been toting around for like, <laughs> I've, I've had for some 30 use. years. Yeah. They're like JBL 12 inch speakers from the 1960s. They're like super awesome. Very, uh, people like on audiophile soundboards, like all enamored with them. But, uh, there's actually use for them now. We're using the record player. So I'm, I'm glad it is being put to use. So I appreciate your wanting a record player. But yeah, it was on uh, a podcast, Living Corporate Podcast with, uh, Zach. He's on, uh, the Twitters as Rev Nun Wisdom. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun. It was, uh, he, he does or they do a podcast and then they do like a B side of the podcast. So I was mm-hmm. on the B side, which is a shorter, uh, bit, but, uh, it was fun. It was nice to be, I hadn't been on a podcast other than ours of the White Privilege podcast with, uh, Unruly Rev. So that was kind of nice. And apologies to Unruly Rev that I went on. I feel like I, I feel like a podcast cheated. It's all right. I did. I did. And when I said that to, to Zach, I was like, I'll, I'll consider your podcast, but I got that podcast with my wife first. Bang, the, bang. The John's got to happen first. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. All right. Uh, I think that's it then. That's it? Yeah. We have come to the end of our show. Wow. This was good timing because we got to go. Bye, bye, bye. Wasn't too bad. Not really. too bad. Not too bad. We got through it. And uh, where's my, I can't find my, it's missing. No. No. Right after I said five by five, here it is. Good night, everybody. High five.